Learning and Yearning is an ongoing project from the high school section of TCTELA. TCTELA's goal is to advance the literacy growth of all Texas students by developing a network of diverse professionals and by providing professional development based on best practices in education. Welcome to Learning and Yearning, a monthly podcast for teachers in Texas. I'm Ivy Gowdy. And I'm Andy Parlow. We are your hosts on this educational journey. We're just here to remind you, yearn and learn is what you do. Welcome back to Learning and Yearning. As most of you know, we've had a few challenging months and had to take a short hiatus, but we are back and excited about this episode. This month, we are talking about our hopes and fears for education in Texas with our good friend, Dr. Lois Sparker. Then we have a new code red from Dr. Shona Rose. We wrap up the episode with some self-help tips from local healer, Tracy Mahana. So let's get to it. We are joined with Lois Barker, who has joined us before, um, and she is going to introduce herself really quickly. So, Lois, go right ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, I am uh, Dr. Lois Barker. I am the section, the teacher development section chair for TCTLA, um, and I'm just excited to be here to talk about some of our fears and, you know, like, how can we be hopeful in 2022? Yes, for sure. And I always forget to put the doctor on it. I'm so sorry, Lois. (laughs) Oh, no, you're all right. (laughs) You earned it, girl. You got to say it. (laughs) All right. So I know, I know my big fear right now. Ivy, do you know yours? I have a few. Yeah, me too. (laughs) What do we want to start with, ladies? Throw one out there and let's, let's talk. Burnout. Growing mm. burnout. It's, you know, I hear I hear from so many people uh, questioning whether or not they're going to return, um, questioning how they're going to make it through the end of this year. Uh, just so many, um, so many things are working against us right now, and it's hard, hard to keep your head up. I mean, I, I keep telling everybody that this year has been harder than any other year, and I can't exactly pinpoint why. I feel like it's like um, compacting bad years, right? Like you had 2020, we didn't, like a lot of people didn't know what to do. And then everybody got hopeful that 2021 would be different. So like we sat down in 2020, we heard all these school leaders, all these organizations talking about reimagining learning, creating safe virtual. And then we, we know, we, we got hopeful, right? And yeah. Like, all right. Things are going to improve 2021, you know, and then you step into 2021 and it's more of the same. Like you went back into your campuses and nothing was reimagined. They just like totally shifted all the way back to whatever it was before COVID. So, you know, I I feel like it's like we're still in a pandemic, right? Yeah. And so I thought things had been quote-unquote reimagined yeah but instead we just reverted back to doing the same old things that we've always done 
in a pandemic and it's not working. No. So yeah. I, it's just. Well, and not only that, um, we reverted back, but then we added a lot throughout the year, like the house bill um, and the tutoring hours and recovering learning. And as educators, we know that, that students, there, there is no behind. No. There's just where they are. And then they're, they're putting this, this burden on us to um, recover all of this learning from the pandemic, which is going to happen naturally anyway, but, but it's not happening natural right now in the, the way it's set up. Right. Uh, well, and we just, all said, I mean, I've, <laughs> I know on this podcast, people said that what we were doing originally wasn't working anyway. And then right. we went right back right. to it. Students aren't getting choice in the matter. No. Um, and no one's checking in to see like, okay, how, how are we going to do this for them? And how are they learning best? So like, there are a lot of kids forced to return virtual, I mean, face to face. And they were thriving in a virtual world. And we just stripped that option away from them in many places in Texas. Yeah. And so now they're sitting in a classroom kind of resentful. Like, I don't want to be here because you guys are doing the same boring things that lost me in 2029. I mean, 2019 and, and before. And they don't have choices. And I'm like, how are you? You you have to rethink the approach. No amount of tutoring hours. Who's going to tutor the kids? Yeah. Teachers are tired. Yeah. You know, um, you know, oh, we're going to tap into colleges. College kids are tired too because they experience <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> so you can't go back to what has always been done. No. And there are people who are like, they have revolutionary ideas, they have innovative approaches, but they're not giving, like they're not getting the time. They, you're not adding, you know, passing the mic to them to help make those decisions. And I think for teachers, I don't know, I think myself, I don't think we've adequately like addressed the mental health issues that are still going on. Hey, go back into the classroom. Like, and there's yeah. tension. Right. You know? I see in my classroom, um, students are struggling and they don't really know how to reach out for help. Um, they don't know who to talk to. Um, they don't know how to pick up their pieces and try to get back on track. You can see that they, they want to. They desperately want to get back in this. But there's just such a, a mental barrier um, that's preventing them that, that they are not equipped to handle right now. But I think and, that's teachers, too. They're not getting it. Well, true. I think I feel that way a lot this year. I feel like I want to jump in. There's something there that is making it extremely hard for me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Like, there needs to be a community approach, like a, a community healing approach, not, oh, my gosh, running all these things in because learning loss, learning gap, this, yeah. that, the other. It needs to be, like, we need to find some way to to create, like, a, like healing communities. I was reading an article yesterday. I can't remember if from the Houston Chronicle or Dallas Morning News where, like, superintendents are quitting like even they like there is massive i think like 55 or so superintendent vacancies across the state wow oh, wow so it's not just teacher it's not just teachers that are leaving you're having everyone feeling the pressure and and just leaving and so you know 
it's not it is not a matter of how many, the yes pay is important, but all these little emergency stipends aren't going to do the trick. Like no. and we need to create healing communities. Well, I mean, I feel like it almost would have been worth it to just give every teacher one more off period this year. Like I don't, right? I feel like just that 45 minutes or so could have helped a lot. I don't know. I, I sit here and I think about how do we fix this, but it's hard. You know, What's what's crazy to me is the American school day, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm getting off topic, but like we went to school from like what eight thirty or eight forty five to three o'clock or three fifteen, and after three years of high school, I had almost all my high school credits. Yeah, when I moved here, and our day was shorter. We had like some schools had forty five minute lunches in middle school, in elementary school, you had a whole hour long lunch. We had a recess in middle and elementary because most of our, our primary schools are like kind of like a K through eight style. Yeah. And so like you had a 15 minute recess and then you had a whole one hour lunch and yet we still ac- accomplish more learning. And so I really feel like the whole state needs to step back. And if y'all are concerned about learning loss, I don't think it's, it's throwing tutors in or more work. Yeah, more EOC to, sessions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, more test prep. I think we need to start re, like really reimagining what like curriculum look like, reframing the the school day. Yeah. And and really rethinking how we structure subjects, those content areas, how they build on each other. Their learning is kind of deep and rich and maximized. Well, let's go. How about we talk about band books? Whew. you know this is this is wild uh yeah a a district that's just mounted a coup so to speak uh, on on lgbtq books yep um there was a particular parent that um, was bothered that they were even available in a classroom library not that these books weren't being assigned they weren't being read as whole class novels and I mean and I say talk about LGBTQ books I'm just talking about books that might feature or not even feature a character um, in the LGBTQ group and this parent gathered enough support that they successfully removed every single book in this district from classroom libraries Uh, because one person thought that the whole rest of the the student body um, couldn't couldn't look at these books um, that's a problem that's, and and the fact that, that that districts and leaders are allowing this type of rhetoric to take place yeah. and allowing these people to have power um, just speaks to to what these fears um, are doing to our society right now it's like no one wants to check their biases to not know how you feel about a particular community because yeah. it's, it might be new to you or it might challenge your, that's on you to work through and your household. And that, that has no place in a class, like in the classroom for you to, you know, like bring your insecurities and your biases, talk to your kid. Like my, at my kid's school, librarian had a sign, a slip saying it's okay for my kid to read adult like themes and 
whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I don't care what she reads. As yeah. long as, you know, like we have an understanding. If there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable or you don't understand, let's have a conversation about it. And, and, and not shying away from that conversation and talking about like, why might this upset you? Why do you feel a particular way? Like allowing kids to learn things and then make that decision for themselves. Like, okay, this challenges my religious beliefs, so I don't want to read this anymore. Well, then put it back and pick a new book. Right. It's not rocket science. No, you know, like, exactly. It's just giving, giving, giving kids tools to be critical thinkers and, and learn how to develop community. Someone could be different from you. you. You may have questions about their lifestyle, but you don't condemn them. You treat them with love, you know, and then mm-hmm. you learn, you, you seek to understand and if you know and and that's the whole point of books like opening up your eyes to different experiences so you can learn you can question you can research um build community and yeah i agree with you when you say like i am really shocked that these super like some you know of board members superintendents principals are not stepping back and and really attacking like really approaching these people as educators, like, you know, like you're in the education system, teach them the importance of them checking their biases and how. Yeah. Like, I mean, and then this, this idea that like, do you know what your teachers are teaching your kids? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so dark. It puts such a dark connotation on what we do. Like, <laughs> Right. Like, and, and that was one of the reasons a superintendent resigned. Like they were sick and tired of dealing with censorship. They were sick and tired of like receiving death threats and yeah. all sorts of wow. things. Death and threats. so they're, they, they're stepping back. <laughs> they're stepping back. Or like one of them resigned because of the whole mask mandate. Like I'm trying to, you know, protect your kids. Oh, you're bringing politics and you're being a leftist and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, they resigned. They're like, I don't have time for this. And what happens? That's where I'm stuck. I read like two other people who resigned yesterday. And their big fear was what happens when all of the good teachers and the good supers and the good principals quit? I mean, one can hope we get some revolutionaries that step in to fill the spot and don't back down. Or we get yes men. Yeah. (laughs) Let's try to be positive near the end of this. So what what is a hope you have for the future of education? One of you. Let's see. How about you, Ivy? You got an idea? You know, it's so cliche, but, you know, when people are going through really difficult times, you always know there's a lesson somewhere, hopefully, at the end. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is is resilience, um, and, and it stinks that we have to – learn it like this but but what i'm thinking about are our students um and and when they 10 years from now and they they're in their careers and they're like yeah i graduated high school during the pandemic um hopefully by then we can look back and say that was a really tough time but we all made it through and look at what we're doing now um that we are taking some of these resilience and grit lessons um and learning not to give up on ourselves um that there will be some type of light, uh, whether that light is a different color or not, we, we've yet to find out. Oh, that was nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we should just talk about hopes today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lois? What's a hope you have for the future of education? <laughs> I hope, I, I 
hope that, um, you know, new teachers, teacher preparation programs, especially at the university's level, the university level, they're really looking at what's happening mm -hmm. and revamping their programs to to help incoming teachers. Yeah, it's not a, it's not simple as all right, you know, take your education courses in pedagogy and take a few content courses. I know in a child psychology class here or there, but really thinking about the whole child and thinking about the teacher and, and revamping those classes that equip people with like trauma-informed practices um, and, and really approaching it through, like there are a lot of social justice issues right now in the classroom. Yes. Basic human rights Ugh. are being denied in the classroom. So there's to address that and people are, you know, people are like, Oh, shut up and just teach your content. But when you, re do you even understand what our content is? When you, when you teach literature, when you teach AP Lang and lit, you like you really like you you're looking you're examining speeches and kids need to understand context when they're reading stories they need to understand social context and all of these stories what are the you know they 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 mirror what happens in life yeah and so you can't we can't dance around the issues that show up in these books yes we're going to teach teaks but we have to make sure teachers are equipped to to understand what context they're stepping into and so my hope is that these schools revamp their pre, you know pre-service programs so teachers feel empowered when they come into a classroom that they understand you know like the whole child approach they understand that my work is social like you know is linked to social justice yeah. my work is linked to ensuring that all of my kids are seen and heard and I can advocate for them to the best of my abilities. So I, I really hope that these these school, these universities, these teacher prep programs, it's not just about passing this test, it's not just about collecting some coins from some bright-eyed kid who wants to be a teacher, but really pouring into them so they can then go out into communities and be of service and teach and, you know, change lives. That's kind of, I think mine just piggybacks on that. And mine is just, I want to see more compassion in schools. Mm. Like, I feel like we talk about it a lot. And then we say, oh, we're going to SEL now. SEL, SEL, SEL. <laughs> but then I don't feel like we're really doing that. It's like we, we talked it up. We did some trainings. I don't know. I just I feel like my hope for the future is that we get, like you said, maybe if there's better teacher training, and maybe if there's better admin training and stuff like that from the root up, yeah. we do finally get people who belong in the position because their heart is there. You know, I think, and it's not all, you know, I don't want everybody to think I'm talking about all administrators or all teachers. We, there's a lot of us that are working as hard as we can to show that love in our rooms and in what we do. But it's almost like you have to fight against the system. That's what to it do feels that. like. You know, to, to be that compassionate person, you do have to kind of go against the bounds and and um, try to figure out how to do it under the radar because it's not celebrated. It's not um, what 
gets kids to pass tests and and come to school. But it is, you know, I'm just saying those well, are the messages we hear. It is what gets kids to come to school. And you get and labeled tests. what you get labeled the fun teacher or the cool teacher. Right, right. And that's not what it is. It's just yeah. that I actually genuinely listen to the kids that are in my room. Mm-hmm. And I laugh with them when they say something funny, you know, <laughs> I don't just go, oh, yes. this is not a happy place, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I and that's so frustrating to me because it is those teachers that show that genuine interest. And that's what you should do. That's your job. That's what yep. you were called to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's the, build community like it's building yes. community. Yes. Like learning, it's not this like transaction, like this business transaction when they come into your classroom. I give you this, you sit down, you cram it, and then you need to pass the test. It's yeah. about creating community. Well, and it's also, you know? it's also something you, you shouldn't be rated on in a five-minute walkthrough. Is <laughs> 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 community properly built in your classroom? Let me look around in five minutes. Oh, well, I see there's pictures hanging up and... The desks are in groups, so it really looks like you have a community in here. Yeah. <laughs> you can't measure that it, by yeah. spending five minutes in the classroom. No, you can't. That has to be, like, a little bit every day to see if you're yeah. doing it, you know? Yeah. And I think it should Not that I want that either. No, but it shouldn't feel forced either. I think that's no. my big point is that I right. feel like so many teachers are forcing themselves to act like they care when they don't. Mm-hmm. And I think admin and super are doing it too. And it's not all, like I said, I don't want our listeners to get mad, but it is, it is a, a group of people that I feel like this is not their calling. No. Yeah. If no, you, you are it, right. Yeah. And you so, have to go to a training to learn how to build a community and care about kids, then you probably are in the wrong profession. Yes. And why is it so hard to just admit that and do something just else? Just admit it. It's okay. You're not a failure, but it's just not for you. It's not like this paycheck is lucrative. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when kids tell me, I know this teacher doesn't like me. I don't think this teacher likes kids. They're just doing it for the money. And I'm like, what money? But, but we were you supposed know. to end this on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? But you know, like all, all all things aside, I I really hope like kids see what's happening, and I hope it inspires maybe a kid or a parent or a teacher to like really examine how structures work and the people who are most. Um, for those structures because like you know my partner and I say this all the time people make a big hoopla over big elections right not to really talk about politics but life is political so you can't not talk about politics so like thinking about everybody you know runs and dives in the big elections and look so for instance Biden said I'm forgiving y'all students loans sir I am still waiting on that forgiveness (laughs) And, you <laughs> Me know, too, sister. And, but, you know, but the, the hoops he might like, and then, you know, they want to pass this infrastructure bill and, and look how long those things take to come into fruition. But look at how quickly state governments can impact your life yeah. in the snap of a finger. Yes. And so I really hope that people sit, step back and really examine 
where do you know where do I have the power? Do I have the power when I you know who am I electing on the school boards? Who am I voting for for sheriff and judge? Who am I voting for as my representative? And what have they been doing? How have they been impacting my life, my kids' life, my community's life? Yeah. And you you know really using the ballot and run. Like, you know, be inspired. I hope kids feel inspired to run for local and state government because that's the direct impact on us faster than, than, you know, like federal. And people, like I said, make, they focus on the big elections. They might focus on midterms, but you, you really have to pay, like, who are you putting in your state, in your, on your school boards and, and hold those people accountable I want to be hopeful that this (laughs) generation of kids is going to be that generation. I feel like they have been drugged through so much. And I I, think, yeah, I think they're paying attention more than we know. I hope hope they do that or, you know, like not even waiting for them. And I just hope like whether it's the kids in the classroom or the college kids or even just us because at yeah. one, you know everybody has a breaking point and at some point enough is enough yeah and um you know we we have to band together to do what's best for the children and and agree. listen to them you know so i i'm just i really hope that out of this people are watching and understanding where does the power lie and how do i challenge that power and 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 you know make change yes i think that's a good place to leave it <laughs> That's good to me. Voice and her wisdom bombs. <laughs> I always feel like I've been to the mountain after I talk to Lois. <laughs> Calkins isn't the devil, and neither are Fountas and Pinnell, for that matter. To me, this is a code red issue that all of us need to think more deeply about. Texas didn't send me through the Science of Reading course so I could bash people or programs. Nothing in the world is ever the answer, a panacea. Texas sent me through a science, a science of reading course, so I could be the reading scientist that knows how to select instructional approaches, texts, and lessons that best meet the needs of my students. Texas wants to empower me to be an expert that can rally and adapt materials and resources that help me empower my students with their reading practices. More could be said about the science of reading, but Dr. Paul Thomas does a much better job at that than I can. And as a side note, Texas really can't tell us what programs to use. That's a district decision. Here's a perfect example that Lucy Calkins isn't the devil. Emma has written her valedictory graduation speech after completing the introductory unit in Texas Home Learning for English 4. The unit was fabulous, by the way. And Emma is my niece. My 81-year-old mother homeschools her and has since she's been in the third grade. Now, What I need Emma to do is to practice delivering the speech with passion and power. And well, looky here, what do I find in my little library? Grade eight, section seven of Calkins Units of Study. Unleashing the 
inner dramatist to give speeches more impact. Well, now I have a beautiful resource complete with tips for rehearsing and giving confident and stirring speeches, along with the model of a teacher's think aloud that I can use to adapt to something I've written and share it with Emma as if I'm giving a speech. I also have a model of a student level exemplar that's just perfect for her to see and hear what her work should look like and sound like. I also have movie clip examples that she can watch to learn other techniques. And guess what? The unit concludes with an authentic graduation speech that is just the perfect way to help Emma practice the direct address that she imitated from a mentor text in the Texas Home Learning Unit. Here's a snippet of her introduction. During my senior year, I was told that I would be valedictorian at my school, which makes sense since I'm the only one in my class. Then I was told I had to make a speech and wondered how someone who is growing, that would be me, could advise older, more experienced people, that would be you. Now, I don't know about you, devil might be in the details, but Calkins turned out to be just the angel I needed to move Emma to the next level of sophistication. Hello, friends and colleagues. This is Amanda Palmer, the 2021 president of the Texas Council of Teachers of English and Language Arts. I want to personally invite you to attend our annual weekend conference at the gorgeous Moody Gardens Conference Center in Galveston, Texas, beginning the morning of Friday, February 18th. In addition to spending time with teachers from across Texas, participants have the opportunity to learn from experts such as Kelly Gallagher, Kate Roberts, Julia Torres, and Sarah Ahmed. You'll hear from storytellers like Min Lei and Naomi Shihab Nye, and receive updates from TEA on both the Reading Academies and state assessment changes. For the first time, this year's conference is being held as a hybrid event. What this means is that during registration, attendees can choose whether to attend virtually or in person. You do not want to miss this professional learning opportunity. I cannot wait to see you in Galveston to celebrate the strength and resilience of literacy teachers during this monumental time of change. I'll see you there. Okay, so we're back and um, we're really excited. We, we've talked this episode about some things that maybe are troubling us and causing us stress as educators. And so we wanted to take a minute to look at some ways that maybe we can help ourselves feel a little bit better in these trying times. So we are joined with, um, I like to call her the health guru, is Tracy Mahana. She's here in Amarillo and I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself to you guys. Yes, uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> what a gift, because this is such a, uh, teachers are something I'm, just a, a place that I feel like is not getting enough attention right now. So I think this is great that y'all are doing this for teachers. Um, so I'm Tracy Mahana. I grew up in Panhandle and graduated <laughs> in like 98. So um, came back to the area after going to Austin. Yeah. And in Austin, I became a licensed acupuncturist. And that was in 2000. Five, so I'm about 17 years in right now wow. of treating patients and working with holistic medicine. 
Um, and it, the last two years have been an interesting roller coaster of sure. intensity that I don't think any of us really saw coming. And we're now just starting to process it truthfully. So um, I've been working on the front line of my clinic of, you know, observing everybody's reaction to everything and watching their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual struggles sure. through all of it. Yeah. So it's definitely been a really cool place for me to get to observe and help people. Well, go, what's your clinic's name now? Where are you at? I am on 7th Street downtown, uh -huh. and my clinic is the Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine Clinic. Okay. So my website's holisticamarillo.com. And I also um, share the space with my husband who has a art gallery in the space, oh, and it's the Invisible Genie Art Gallery. So it's cool that we get to have our little combination of the healing arts together. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, okay. So do we want to just dive into this? Like, sure. yeah. I mean, Ivy, you're stressed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the time. I mean, just, you know, between school and, and personal things, all the holidays, um, you know, just trying to wrap up this year. Um, you know, we, we try our best, but sometimes we just, we just, you know, feel empty. Like, do I have more to give? Yeah. I hope so because we still have it. Sadly you enough, know, my bucket feels empty a lot lately. Yeah. Like, so, you yeah. know, refilling that bucket is, mm -hmm. is very important. So. so Tracy, we asked you if you could kind of come up with just some things that are very approachable for people to do. Um, I know a lot of teachers, I think, almost get a little annoyed when people just talk to them about breathing. That seems to be like the only thing anybody ever wants to breathe. Just, breathe. just breathe. And Unfortunately, sometimes just breathing is not enough. Mm -hmm. So we really thought it would be great for you to bring your expertise on and just kind of give us some good pointers and tips that are very approachable and easy for a lot of us to do. So we're going to just turn it over to you, girl. Well, I can't <laughs> skip just breathe because right. that is important, <laughs> but I can give you more to it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, once upon a time we were humans and we were like running for our like life and survival, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And so we were designed with this sympathetic nervous system and this parasympathetic nervous system. But we are in a state where we are in that sympathetic nervous system 24-7 now. So yeah. our body is in constant fight or flight all the time now. I'd agree. And we live in that fight or flight. And what our body thinks fight or flight is, is running from a tiger because we're about to get eaten. Yeah. And so that is our breath is really fast, our heart rate's up, our mind is thinking all this stuff, our body's like in this tight tense, like, am I going to live through this experience? And yeah. it's a very stressful state. And that's what we're all living with day to day. So that's the problem is that that's creating the burnout because we are not designed to stay living in a sympathetic nervous state all the time. That makes a lot of sense. So that's why the <laughs> breath is such a for free, easy tool to keep us in check and like trick our system to think that we're in a parasympathetic nervous state. Okay. Because with our breath alone, we can make our body and our mind think that we're relaxed and we're chilled out. That's why everybody is like, go to the breath, go to the breath, but you kind of got to know what to do with the breath. Yeah. I mean, it's not just breathe because like one deep breath isn't really going to be enough. Yeah. You know? So what I've learned through yoga training and through personal practice and all the things I've read is that when we can slow our breath down, mm -hmm. then we trick our body into thinking that we're safe yeah. and that everything's cool yeah. and we slow our heart rate down mm -hmm. and we slow the nervous system down. 
And then our body can switch back over to parasympathetic nervous system where we process and we digest and we like are able to assimilate what's going on in our crazy lives and calm our mind down. And then that makes us feel like we are restoring. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we want to do when our bucket is empty is restore. Yes. Refill. (laughs) So we all individually have to learn what tools refill me to let me go out there another day. Yeah. That's a good point too, is that maybe some of the things we bring up won't work for one person, but the other two or three things that we talk about will. And I think, exactly. So my encouragement with breath is just to slow it down. Mm -hmm. Like be aware that with your shallow chest breathing, you're breathing probably 16 to 20 breaths per minute. And when you can inhale long, slow and deep by expanding your belly button out and making room for like the lungs to completely fill up to full capacity, then you can slow that breath down to like a six or a seven or an eight inhale count and then pause. And then as you exhale, you pull the belly button into the spine, but you're still just letting little sips of air out as you exhale because you're slowing it down. Mm-hmm. So when you do it that way, you can get eight to 10 breaths per minute, yeah. which completely slows everything down and calms the whole system down. And ideally you want like a minute to three minutes of doing this. Okay. That seems like not very much time, but when you're just breathing mm-hmm. and just being mindful of your breath, yeah. it can be a length, but that seriously, that tool got me through my anxiety ridden COVID. I'm a business owner. What's about to happen to my family? You know, right, yeah. it was, it was the breath work mm-hmm. that I could just continuously go to and it would quiet my mind. That's and so awesome. that's a really great part of the breath too, is it works with the mind yeah. to slow the mind down Yes, because truthfully the mind is the big part of what is creating the chaos or yeah. crazy brains. We are living in a chaotic <laughs> world, but it's our reaction, mm-hmm. our response, our understanding, our interpretation of what's going on around us and our perspective Mm. that's creating the chaos. And that's where we can like take our power back and say, what exactly am I going to give my energy to in this present moment as far as my consciousness goes? Mm. Because that is a power I have. I have the power to be mindful of what I'm thinking about at this present moment. And if I need to use my breath to take that power back, I will. The key is to become aware and mindful that whatever I'm thinking about right now is creating my shoulders to get tense. It's creating my breath pattern to get fast. It's creating my heart rate to increase because whatever I'm thinking about is creating a fight or flight because it is so intense and so stressful that my body doesn't even realize that I'm not being chased after a tiger. All it knows is that this thought that I'm having is creating this response in my body. Yeah. You know, I wish we, I mean, I guess we can, but just normalize leading these types of breath exercises with our students and how powerful that could be, um, you know, in, in these tense situations where we have fights breaking out or even just, you know, the kids are, are just kind of rowdy that day and just mm-hmm. leave these little quick exercises. That way the teacher benefits and the students benefit. And then you're all nice and calm afterwards. <laughs> well, it's a tool that you can practice together. That, that might be the one thing they take away from high school that saves them right. yeah. the rest of their life. Like, well, I learned mm-hmm. to breathe when in that class and mm-hmm. that I could tell it affected me. So that is something that I've yeah. always gone to. I feel like some people are very like, I guess that's why I said that. I was like, more than just the breathing mm-hmm. is because I feel like that's what everybody goes to. 
and they don't explain it a lot. Right. And I almost feel like you roll your eyes when you hear it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the kids would do that too at first. I think the buy-in would be kind of hard, you know, up But I think that's why explaining, like, this is yours, that you don't have to pay for. It's free. Mm -hmm. And you can use it right here, right now, at any time and create a shift of consciousness and a shift in your physical makeup Mm -hmm. and a shift in whatever emotion Mm -hmm. that is so intense that you feel like you're not going to live through it. It's so true. Right here, right now. Yeah. And not everything has that free availability that we're going to talk about. So that's why I have to go to that one first because it is our power. And the more we learn to use it and work it and share it and be present with it, the better off we're going to be. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So of course I can't not go to (laughs) how important drinking enough water is Yeah. because our emotional composition is very influenced by how much hydration we have. Yeah. Our body's made of a 70% of water. And I mean, we burn a lot of water just through our normal regular days. So yeah. if anything we're doing or drinking is dehydrating us, then that's creating another, you know, obstacle. So really truthfully, we all need to be drinking at least one, one and a half liters of water a day, but striving for two to three liters a day, which mm-hmm. is a pretty serious situation. Like you have to carry around your water bottle and yeah. have it full all day long to well, get it in. And when you're teaching, you have to have the ability to go to the restroom when you need to. <laughs> this is true. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know some teachers here that don't have breaks until lunch, which yeah. I think is the toxic part of a lot of professions, mm-hmm. you know, like nursing, they say the same thing to me and yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, y'all have to hydrate. And they're like, we can't. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you have to figure it out because you can't sacrifice yourself right. for your career. Yeah. Like you have to know that this is something I have to do for my, to be able to think and teach and have enough energy to even. And is it, is it important to, cause I see some people do this and I know that I've been guilty of this too, is that I don't drink it during work that much, but when I get home, I'm like chugging water the rest of the night. And I Dude. feel like that's probably not a good idea. I just kind of feel like you got it in. Cause I yeah. find myself having to do that too. Mm-hmm. And I will sacrifice a night of getting up to pee to make sure that I'm not dehydrated. Yeah. And we're in the ninth driest year on record right now. So we're like 56, 57 days without rain at the moment. And which for me is creating an even heightened awareness to how Mm. important hydration is and electrolytes. You know, I think some people think just drinking water is enough and it's not, we still need salt and electrolytes and those components to really get hydrated with it. Absolutely. No. And that's an easy one. Honestly, if you just exactly try just being mindful of it every day. Make mm-hmm. it part of your life for the rest of your life to be aware and mindful of how much water you've had and how much you need. Mm-hmm. And just, it's like something to strive for at the end of every day. No, awesome. So, and then this has been a topic that's been communicated about over the last couple of weeks a lot. And the word is rest. <laughs> but that's another what? word like breathe. What is that? That's another word like breathe. Like, okay, tell me to rest, but don't tell me what to do to rest. So what I discovered through a call with a friend was rest is different for everybody. Okay. And so identifying what's restful for me is extremely important to resting because if I don't know what makes me feel rested and restored, then Mm -hmm. how am I supposed to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Or even prioritize it. Well, And some people don't feel rested if they actually want to get things done, but in in a different way. Like um, if my house is a mess. And I really want, I had set that goal to, to have it clean in the weekend. And, but I don't, I just rest. 
I'm going to feel worse coming out of that weekend than if I would have just done that little bit of work. Yeah. Then I would have felt more but I think at ease. Maybe you wouldn't feel worse if you identified that this is the rest that I need for this weekend. And mm-hmm. I'm going to allot this much time to do this restful activity. And I'm just going to schedule it into my weekend right. and add it to all the, the home, you know, stuff that I have to do as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, what it is is identifying what makes you feel rested mm-hmm. and then acknowledging that this is what I need to go to when I need to restore. And I need to make sure that I'm doing that at least once a week. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it really could just be like a 30 minute hot bath. Cause that makes me feel restful. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, and I've also recognized another thing that makes me feel like I've rested is if just, I just sit on the couch for 30 minutes in the evening and watch like how I met your mother and laugh mm-hmm. for 30 minutes. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all night. Right. Just 30 minutes of laughing makes me feel like mm-hmm. I got some rest because I got, I was able to shut my mind off. Yeah. I didn't have an agenda. Yeah. I was able to just sit and let my body mm-hmm. just chill out for a moment. And then laughing breaks all that like stressful energy up because laughing is another one of those things that we can do that shifts us into that parasympathetic phase. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Yeah. So really identifying your personal rest and then adding that to your lifestyle. So not just sleeping. No, like, yes. sleep is not rest. <laughs> just So I think that's another thing is that, and just recognizing that sleep is sleep. Yeah. Rest is rest. Yeah. They are separate. So that's why we need to evaluate what we feel rested with when we do. And then know that that's our go-to when we need to rest and restore. Yeah. No, that's really, that's a good I don't think most people probably delineate between the two. No. And I wasn't three months ago. Yeah. It's just through like this being a major topic in my world over the last like month. And I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out what that is and start making it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a big one. But yes, a hot Epsom salt bath is pretty easy. And Epsom salt has magnesium that Mm -hmm. really is like, works like a muscle relaxer. Yeah. So if you put like five pounds of Epsom salt in a bath and you soak for 20 minutes, there's going to be a clear shift in how you feel. Yeah. Like your muscles are going to feel different. Mm -hmm. Your mind is going to feel different. You know, your body will feel different. So that is something that is very restorative and self-care as well. You know, there was a time that was my Sunday night ritual Mm -hmm. and somehow I got away from that. So I think it's time to pick that practice back up. Yeah. I've done that too. Those Epsom salts that you can get that have the different aromatherapy in there that they're amazing. So, and you do, you do feel so good. So of course, one of the things that really helps me feel like I have participated in self-care and restored is just being in nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can look any way you want it to look. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a lot of physical activity. Not like a giant hike. But I think just (laughs) something about being in nature and breathing air and being in the sunshine and yeah. connecting with stuff that's not technology or people or agendas or things to do or the house. Yeah. Um, like going back to the mindfulness, the mind is a big part of it. And so another tool that I have found that helps me with my self-care is I have kind of a mantra or an affirmation that's my go-to when my mind gets mm-hmm. too busy. Yeah. Or when I feel myself getting overwhelmed because I realize that the more that I put energy into that thing that's overwhelming in me, in my mind, the more I spin out. And so to break that cycle, I need to have kind of a go-to. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it could be as simple as 
I feel at peace right now. Yeah. Or I trust this process. For me, a lot of it is like, can I trust the universe to support the situation in a way that I am going to be okay? Yeah. Mine's always been, I've had two children. I can do this. That's what I do (laughs) in my head constantly, honestly, to kind of just like back off a little bit. This may be difficult, but it's not labor. So yeah, seriously. (laughs) Well, and even like sometimes just realizing that I am one tiny pea on this ginormous earth Mm -hmm. that is being supported by gravity going around this really hot ball. (laughs) And there's all kinds of things flying around out there and none of it is having chaos. Yeah. I mean, if there was going to be chaos, it seems like the universe would be a really good place for it with all the galaxies and planets and like ash, you know, like there's all kinds of craziness going on out there, but it's all perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's all orchestrated, you know, it's all doing its thing. And yeah. when I can remember how small I really am in the vastness of it all. Yeah. That seems to make me feel a little bit better about trusting the process as well. Mm, so nice. affirmations work really well to help with mastering your mind because you're either a servant of your mind or you are a master of your mind. Yeah. And when you're a servant, you let it think whatever it wants and it goes down this hole and that hole. And before you know it, you're like having an anxiety attack because you're so overwhelmed with everything. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like we're just so overstimulated. So we are the ones that are not really great at regulating ourselves, just like the children. Oh, I say that all the time. Part of like self-care is saying, where are my boundaries with Mm -hmm. this? And when do I need to get off Facebook and take a break? And when do I need to put my phone down and breathe and... We do I not need to binge that show. Yeah. You know, I'm really proud of myself when my screen time's down. I'm like, yes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Exactly. That needs to start happening. <laughs> but then you're like, you know, you're talking about rest, but then my husband will get on there and play his little word games for a while. And I almost feel like that's what that is for him. I do too. My husband yeah. has a game he plays and it is his meditation. Mm-hmm. It's his rest. It's his I don't have to think, I don't have to do, and this is entertaining my time at the moment. Yeah. That decides if it's draining Mm -hmm. or restorative. Like, does it feel like you're more tired after you do it, or do you you feel like you kind of got to recharge? Yeah. And and learning how to identify that piece as well. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know how easy this is for y'all's profession, Mm -hmm. but turning it off when you leave, (laughs) is that... (laughs) Is that even, like, doable for you? Oh, goodness. I mean, we try. Yeah, we try. I know I try. And it's a practice, of course. It's it's, hard. It's a part of survival as well. The part that doesn't get turned off are the heartbreaks. Of course. And and what we hear and see. You know, I I turn off the grading. I turn off the planning um, when I can. But just carrying all their, their, their hurt... Mm-hmm. It is is a heavy burden knowing, you know, they, they share a lot with us and knowing what they're going through just to be here and then hearing like how they're treated um, in other other classes. Yeah, that's really rough. And it, it's just heartbreaking is having that all the time. Yeah. So what I hear is that part of the challenge of being a teacher and having that self-care is learning how to put that in a container that is healthy so that mm-hmm. you're not having to carry it in your body and run that energy through you. Yeah. Because yeah. you're empathically feeling mm-hmm. what they're feeling. And so it's like you're living their stories 
And then you're having this like energy inside of you as if you're like, you know, feeling it with them, Mm -hmm. but you're not being able to put it in a container that helps you not take it home as Mm -hmm. easily, you know, because I cannot even imagine what y'all hear and see. I mean, beyond. Yeah. But truthfully, like it has to set down. And for me as a healer who like has this major attachment to people getting results from what they're paying me to alleviate their suffering, you know, Mm -hmm. what has worked for me to be able to set it down is to realize like, I'm here to assist them, not to rescue them. Mm -hmm. And the more that I try to play the rescuer archetype, the more I am disempowering them. And the more that I learn to just support them when they come to me, the more I am empowering them. And so learning how to stay in that paradigm of empowering through supporting instead of disempowering myself through trying to rescue and like give them more than what I have. And also knowing that we all have our own story that we need to play out and our own karma and our own like experiences that we need to learn from. And once again, that greater picture of like, I don't know why this is your story, yeah, but it is. And I just want to support you however I can, but not be have an attachment to the outcome or to the way it's playing out for you because there's nothing I can do about right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that's the surrender mm-hmm. of like, I cannot mm-hmm. allow myself to run this energy through me because it depletes me. And I only have so much energy. Yeah. I look at it like our bodies are like a phone mm-hmm. and we wake up in the morning with hundred percent charge and everything that we think about and we give our energy to through that day and we feel and we do just leaks that, And so different things take more of that charge and other things like leave a little Mm -hmm. bit. But I can say as a 41 year old woman, I don't have a hundred percent charge on my phone anymore. I used to have a hundred percent charge when I was in my twenties and even my early thirties. Yeah. Even more mindful of where I give my consciousness and my energy to because I have less. Yeah. Recognizing that our energy is a valuable thing that we have and that we have control over what we're going to give it to is a big part yeah. of, I think, restoring and self-care as well. I think it's that fear, though, that it's going to be the day that you tell someone, I, I need hmm. calm right now, so I can't really take this, is going to be the day that that kid does something to themselves or to someone right. else, and then you're always going to feel that guilt that you didn't say, okay, I can talk to you right but now. But that is know? a belief mm-hmm. that you are carrying that is not serving you and recognizing that like the fear is not healthy for you. Yeah. And then feeling like you are responsible and that you're going to carry that guilt for the rest of your life is not healthy for yeah. you. So recognizing that me showing up and loving them is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being here is enough. And just loving you is enough yeah. and supporting you while you're in front of me asking me for your, my support is enough yeah. day or every only two if you, weeks. I think only if you really make that commitment. Well, that's where you want to put your energy. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to know yourself to know where you want to put your energy. And that's why I think we have to have podcasts that talk mm-hmm. about this so we can go, well, I don't think that is for me at all, but mm-hmm. that definitely sounds like something that would work for me. And right. now I know that that's something that works for me, then I can utilize it better instead yeah. of it just being something I heard and being like, whatever, Yeah, you know, just for getting sure. to know ourselves. 
This was great. Thank you Thank so you. much for coming on and doing this. It was this so fun because, to talk about it with y'all. Ugh, it's just, it has been really rough. I mean, yes. walking down the hall, sometimes you can just feel the tension yeah. in the air. Like, I think everybody's just trying to figure out how to make it. Right I now. feel like I just had a therapy session. <laughs> like, I'm relaxed now. Good. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do these things. Well, I'm telling you, I, love you know, and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Love sure. and gratitude are feelings that you can run through your body at any time. And that is restorative and super self-care. And for me, what that looks like is just thinking about something that I love so much that I get the feeling going. And then I just let that feeling flow through my body. Mm -hmm. So when I can run that love feeling or that gratitude feeling through my body, then that helps shift it too. And that's something that is just a practice as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this month. It feels good to be back. We would like to thank our guests, Dr. Lois Barker and Tracy Mahana. As always, big props to Dr. Shona Rose for her expertise. Next month is all about building communities in our classrooms and beyond, and we're looking forward to adding in a new What the Kids Say when we're back in school. Thank you so much for listening. Music is provided by Fully Modern Kitchen. And as always, a huge shout out to our friend, Jerry Tooley. Be sure to go to tctela.org and get enrolled in monthly webinars, register for February's conference, or join a section like ours. Mm -hmm.